0: Breathing in, I invite my Father in me to enjoy breathing in with me. Breathing out, I invite my Father in me to breathe out with me. Father and me enjoy breathing in. Father and me enjoy breathing out. Breathing in, I feel so light. Daddy, do you feel as light as I do? Breathing out, I feel so free. Daddy, you feel as free as I do. Breathing in, I see the presence of my mother in every cell of my body. Breathing out, I smile to my mother in every cell of my body. Presence of mother in me, smiling to mother in me. Breathing in, I invite my mother in me to enjoy breathing in with me. Breathing out, I I invite my mother in me to enjoy breathing out with me. Mother and me enjoy breathing in. Mother and me enjoy breathing out. Breathing in, I feel so light. Mother, do you feel as light as I do? Breathing out, I feel so free. Mother, do you feel as free as I do? Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is May the 8th, in the year 2008. We are in Hanoi for our retreat, English Buddhism, in the 21st century. There is a school of Buddhism called uh, Vishnana Vada, mind only. And that school of Buddhism studies uh, our mind in depth. In fact, uh, the name of uh, the school Should be uh, Vishnati only, Vishnati Matra, manifestation only. (coughs) And it should be translated as uh, the school of manifestation only. There is only manifestation, there is no birth, no death. Vishnapti, Vishnapti means manifesting, manifesting, to manifest, Vishnapti matra means only manifestation, You are not a creation, you are only a manifestation. There are things that have not manifested. And we may believe that they are not there, but that is not true. They are there, but they have not manifested, like the seed of anger in us. We are laughing, you are having a good time. You are not angry, but the seed of anger is always there. It has not manifested. So if someone comes and says something, uh, does something, and then the seed of anger is touched and it manifests as a mental formation, as anger. So everything is a manifestation. And manifestation from consciousness, from alaya vijnana, store consciousness. In the thirty verses on uh, manifestation, the word vishnati was used uh, several times, maybe four times, but the word vijnana only was used only one time. So, the translator of the 30 verses on Vishnapti Matrata, uh, the master Yang, he translated uh, as "riṭuk uh, Vishnana Vada, Vishnana Matra. But nowadays, scholars would prefer the translation manifestation only using the word Vishnapti as uh, as uh, the original uh, expression of, uh, of the teaching. And we know that um, our person, composing of uh, form, feelings, perceptions, mental formations and consciousness, they are manifestation. They lean on each other in order to manifest. And we know that before things manifest themselves, they can be uh, seen, they can be conceived in the form of uh, seeds, bijas, and when the the seeds manifest themselves they become uh, actual dharma actual dharma actual dharma may be a physical formation may be a biological formation may be a mental formation So from the Bija, we have uh, the samskara. The samskara. A flower is a samskara, an actual manifestation from the seed. And my body is a samskara. And my Compassion or my anger are also formations, samskara, chitta-samskara. The teaching of uh, the school of manifestation only could can be applied easily in our daily life. In the context of uh, family, school, and workplace. And that is a part of uh, the practice of engaged Buddhism. When you love someone, you should have the time, enough time in order to look into that person and to recognize all the seeds within him or her, the seeds of suffering, the seeds of happiness, and so on. If you have not seen all the seeds in him or in her, it's difficult for you to accept him, accept her, and to love him or her, and make that person happy. You also have positive and negative seeds within yourself. And if the other wants to make you happy, she should know about the seeds in you, and she should know what seeds to water every day, and what's it not to water? And uh, yesterday we spoke about uh, the fifty one categories of seeds positive, negative and indeterminate. In a relationship we should have the time enough to discuss with each other about the seeds in us. We might have a seeds of suffering planted in us before we were born. Suppose a young couple who uh, dispute for the first time, who make each other suffer for the first time after a few months of uh, after the wedding, and the young lady is pregnant. The little child is still is not yet born, but what the young uh, husband say or uh, do does will have an effect on the embryo. The anger. The frustration, the jealousy of the mother penetrate into the baby. So the seeds of suffering can be planted already when you are still uh, in the womb of your mother. Everything the mother eats will go to the child. Every feeling of the mother has will go to the child. Every worry that the mother has will go to the child. And we nourish the baby in us with our feelings, our perceptions, our sorrow, our fear, our joy. And that is why the young father should be very careful. He should uh, treat his wife in a very tender way. He has to be very careful in his way of speaking and acting, and that is uh, to express love and care for his uh, future uh, son or daughter. I have a niece. When she knew that she was uh, pregnant, she began to, to study and to recite the Lotus Sutra she knew that uh, what she learned about the Lotus Sutra will penetrate into uh, uh, the baby. So she wanted to nourish her, her child with the Sadatma Pundarika Sutra, the Lotus Sutra. And uh, her husband was also a practitioner, so they knew very well how to avoid planting the seed of suffering in uh, the baby. suppose the baby is born uh, and has uh, and was uh, 3 years old and is 3 year old and the baby does not know what uh, the parents uh, are telling each other but if uh, there is a dispute between uh, husband and wife if the husband make uh, the wife suffer if the the wife respond to the husband with anger, and then the atmosphere will start with uh, that kind of heaviness, and that will penetrate into the body and the mind of the baby. Although the baby did not know exactly what goi- was going on, but the uh, suppressive uh, atmosphere begins to penetrate into the body. That is not good food for the baby. And we know that there are children who suffer very much when their parents fight each other. There is no way to escape, and sometimes they have to go into the bathroom and lock the door. It's a tragedy. And uh, the best thing we can uh, give to our children is our own happiness. If father and mother uh, know how to take care of each other, how to make the happiness uh, of each other, and that is the most precious gift they can make to their children. That is the the way uh, young people used to think. The best kind of gift, the most precious kind of gift parents can make to their children is their own happiness. Not money, not uh, house, not uh, bank account, but their own happiness. In Buddhism, we learn that understanding is the foundation of love. If you don't understand someone, it's very difficult to accept him or her and to make him and her happy. So understanding is the foundation of love. If a father does not understand the son, the suffering, the difficulties, the deep aspiration of the son, how could that father love the son and make him happy? So understanding is love itself. A father can go to the son and say, My dear son, do you think I understand you enough? you think I understand your difficulties, your suffering, your deep aspiration. I want to understand you, in order to you to, to love you properly. In the past, I I have uh, imposed on you my ideas, my manners. I have made you unhappy. That is because I have not understood you. So could you please help me to understand you better? Tell me about your difficulties, your suffering. your deep aspiration, so that I will understand. I don't want to make you suffer my son, my daughter. So please help me." And that is the kind of language called uh, love and speech. A father can adapt in order to uh, open the heart of uh, the son or the daughter. And if the father is um, sincere, His son or daughter will open their heart to him, and the son and the daughter can do the same. Daddy, I know you have suffered a lot during the past. I did not help you. I was not able to help you, but I have made the situation worse. I have uh, reacted angrily to you. I have challenged you. I have been stubborn because I did not understand your suffering, your difficulty. Daddy, I don't want to make you suffer at all. But because I did not understand your suffering, your difficulties, and that is why I have reacted like that. I have challenged you, defied you. I'm sorry. I want to understand you, to make you happy. So please tell me of your suffering, of your difficulties. If you don't help me, and then I can do that. Please, Father." So the son and the daughter can always speak to their father in that way. And if they are sincere, the father will tell them. And then communication will be restored. And this is something every everyone can do using loving speech, and deep listening in order to listen. Because listening like that will bring about understanding, removing wrong perceptions. If uh, we cannot talk to each other, if we cannot uh, listen to each other, how could we help each other to remove wrong perceptions? And understanding become the bi- the basis of uh, acceptance, forgiveness, and reconciliation. You come, you go to to your beloved one, and look into her eyes and say, Darling, do you think I understand you enough? Do you think I understand your suffering, your difficulties? If I don't, please help me. Help me to understand you so that I can love you the way I should to make you happy. And you have to get the time to look deeply, to listen deeply in order to understand the other person. Maybe that person has only received seeds of suffering before their birth or during their childhood. And if we don't understand, we continue to challenge, to blame. And if we understand, we can accept, and we can help. And when we are in a relationship, we should practice looking deeply into ourselves and into the other person. And we we could uh, tell each other the willingness to practice. Darling, you know I have seeds of suffering in me, but I do have seeds of happiness in me. So if you really love me, don't water the seed of suffering in me. Please, water, help water the seed of happiness in me every day. If you water the seed of jealousy, anger, frustration in me. I will suffer, and I will certainly make you suffer. I don't want to make you suffer, darling. So please be careful. You know I have these negative seeds in me. Refrain from watering them. I'll be grateful. Instead, you water the the positive seeds in me. And if I am happy, you will profit. And I promise that My practice is not to water the seed of uh, suffering in me, and I will refrain from watering the seed of uh, suffering in you. And we support each other in this uh, relationship. So if the two people promise to each other to water only the positive seeds in each other and in themselves, and that is called a peace treaty or a love treaty, that we can sign with each other. In Plum we usually allow couple to come and sign a peace treaty, a love treaty, in the presence of the whole sangha. The sangha is witness to that uh, commitment. And the practice is the practice of. Uh, mm. Uh, Flower watering. Selective, the practice of selective watering. You know there are good seeds. You only water the good seeds. You refrain from watering the bad seeds in him, in her, and in yourself. The practice of selective watering. And uh, if you practice it for a few days, you can see a big change already. Yeah. One hour is enough to, to change the other person with the practice of uh, selective watery. Because in him in her, there are positive, wholesome seeds. And in the 51 categories of uh, uh, seeds, there are many, many good seeds. I have the seat of mindfulness, concentration, insight. And every one of us has the seat of mindfulness, concentration, insight, joy, lightness. And that is the capacity to be mindful, to be concentrated, to break through to uh, reality, to get the insight for liberation. And that is called, we call, Buddha-nature, buddha Every one of us has Buddha-nature. Buddha-nature is not something abstract. It is very concrete. You, are, you have the capacity of being mindful. That's the Buddha nature. You can drink your tea mindfully. You can make a step mindfully. Therefore, you have Buddha nature. You can concentrate on your tea. You can enjoy your tea the present moment. You can see the cloud in the, your cup of tea. That is the insight. You have the capacity of having insight. That is Buddha nature in you. And that is a conviction. That is something that you can experience by yourself. I have the nature of Buddha within me. I am confident that if I know how to allow that Buddha nature to manifest, to grow. And then love, happiness will be there for me and for the ones who are around me. There's a couple who lives in Paris, who lives in Paris. They are well-to-do people. They have a good job, good salary, a beautiful house. But they are not happy. And he doesn't like to go home. He tried to stay as uh, late as possible in his office. And after dinner, they used to go to the living room and watch TV, watch television. In the beginning, they took a lot of pleasure looking at each other. And they were able to tell each other very sweet, nice things, they were very nourished by each other. But because they did not know the art of selective watering, that is why they have come to a very difficult situation. They don't enjoy looking at each other anymore. They are not able to, to talk to each other with that kind of language, very sweet, very loving anymore. And uh, if they are in a situation to sit in the living room together, uh, instead of looking at each other, they look at the television. And that is a tragedy. The French writer, um, Mm -hmm. Antoine Saint-Exupery, he wrote a sentence like this, to love each other is It's not just to sit there and look at each other, but uh, to look together in one direction. He said something like that. Maybe he wanted to say that uh, we should share the same kind of concern, we should have an ideal. But in this case, the couple, although looking in the same direction, do not have much in common because that direction is only the direction of the television. (laughs) One day he telephoned and he said, uh, he announced that uh, he cannot go home because he has to go to New York for an important meeting. And she reacted uh, normally, because uh, that is something very normal. Because if he goes home, nothing much will happen. So she accepted that, and she said, if you need to go, please go. Coolly like that. And the next morning, she was... um, looking for a dress to go out. And she discovered the box of, uh, in which she kept the love letters that he uh, wrote to, had written to her before the wedding. Nowadays, people don't write on paper anymore. <laughs> they write on the computer. And after that, after having read, they erase. But this lady has kept uh, more than 45 love letters in a box of biscuits. You know, the Vietnamese love to keep uh, the love letters in in a box of uh, Lefebvre Uitile. And it had been a long time she did not look at that box. But that morning, we don't know why. She was interested. So instead of uh, choosing a, um, a dress, she opened a box. And standing like that, she took one letter out and she, she read. The language in the letter was very sweet, very loving. And while she read that letter, she discovered the charming prince of uh, the old day. In the in past six years, he has not been talking to her in that way. And while reading that letter, the seat of happiness and love in her was water. It's like... Uh, it has been... Uh, it has not been raining for a long time and the earth is very dry now there is a, a thunderstorm and the earth is absorbing uh, the rain so her mind is like that very dry and the seed of uh, happiness the seed of uh, um, souvenir uh, joy and, and love had not been water at all in many, many years. And while she was reading that letter, it was uh, like uh, her mind was receiving the rain of love. And she felt very pleasant. She felt she had a pleasant feeling during reading the, the letter. And then she decided to continue to read uh, other letters, so she took the whole bunch of letters and she sat down on the table and she, she continued to read letter after letter and she read the more than 45 love letters in a row. And during that, a transformation, transformation took place. Because all the seeds of happiness and love, souvenir, were watered by the reading of uh, of the love letters. She did not intend to practice as a practitioner. She only wanted to read the love letters because it's a pleasure to read them. And after having read uh, the letters, she felt a transformation in her. She saw that uh, she has been she had been uh, unskillful and he's also he also he had been unskillful they have not been able to water the seed of happiness in each other in fact they have uh, only watered the seed of irritation anger in each other and she for the first time in many years she wanted to Talk to him about the happiness that they had experienced in the beginning of their love. And she wanted to write it down on a letter, a kind of love letter. So she, she took a piece of paper, she sat down and she wrote him a letter, the way she used to write before they married And uh, during the time she wrote that letter, the seed of love, the seed of happiness in her, was also water. They continued to be water. And she felt very peaceful, very happy. And she was able to write with the language of love. She practiced watering the good seeds, but she did not know that she practiced watering the good seeds. And after that, she put uh, the letter into an envelope, and uh, went upstairs and put the letter on his desk. And she felt much better after reading and writing. That uh, afternoon, he telephoned from New York and he said I cannot go home tomorrow I have to stay for uh, one or two more days actually, apparently he was trying to stay in New York as long as possible it's no joy to go home but she responded with with the language, with the language of love, she said that well, it's okay if you need to, um, you need to stay and then please stay. I can wait. And her way of talking is completely different because the seeds of uh, happiness and love in her in her had been watered. And he hung up. But uh, a few hours later. Suddenly, he remembered that uh, she was talking with the kind of language that he had not heard during many years. He noticed a change in her way of talking. And that watered the seed of happiness in him. Because uh, in the last many years, she has never talked to him in that way. Always with a lot of bitterness, sourness, blaming. So he arranged to go home as quickly as possible to offer a pleasant surprise to her. The next day when he arrived, he went up to his, uh, his place, and he saw the letter. He stayed there for a very long time. He was reading that letter all the seeds of happiness and love that had been buried deeply in him was water. He stayed so many hours up there. And when he came down, he was completely transformed. And they reconciled very quickly. So this story proved that uh, the practice of watering the seeds of happiness that positive state in each other is possible, very effective, and can change your life overnight. If you look into yourself, you recognize the seeds of happiness, love, forgiveness, understanding, joy. And if you look into the other person, you also see many positive seeds. And if you know how to water these seeds, you will transform that person, make him or her happy. You know that in the past, you have watered the negative seeds in him or her, and that person was unhappy, and because she is unhappy, you cannot be a happy person. More than a decade ago, in the Upper Hamlet of Plum Village, there was one American practitioner who tried to write uh, his mother a letter of love. The exercise given by Thai to the practitioners of the Upper Hamlet that year, uh, that day, is uh, to write a letter of love to your father and your mother, and in. In the letter, you try to find out, to identify the good seeds, the positive things about your father and your mother. You do walking meditation, you do sitting meditation, you look deeply into the person of your father, you look deeply into the person of your mother, and you recognize the good seeds in him or in her. And that American practitioner, he told himself, writing a love letter to his father, that's easy. He can see many good seeds of his father. Uh, he can see the virtues of his father in him. But for his mother, he believed that he might not be able to write a love letter to her because he he had um, difficulty with his mother but because it was an exercise homework yeah as a practitioner he had to sit down and uh, and do it it came as a surprise when you had uh, when when you had some uh, difficulty with someone the suffering you have tends to prevent you to see the whole picture. You you allow one thing to cover up all the other things. But when you practice walking and sitting and looking deeply, you will discover, and while writing that letter to his mother, this American practitioner discovers so many positive things about his mother and he recognized many good things in him have been transmitted to to him by his mother. So during the time he wrote the letter, he rediscovered a wonderful mother. And his letter was really a letter of love. And he was very happy to post the letter to America. A few days later, his wife uh, telephoned from America. She said, Mother has read your letter. She was so happy. She said that she had rediscovered her lovely son. And she said that she was sorry that her her own mother has already passed away. If not, she would have written a letter like that to her own mother. So that, that letter written by the practitioner in the upper hamlet has watered the seed of love, not only in him, but watered the seed of love in his mother. And his mother rediscovered the lovely son she used to have. When you practice, many people around you benefit from your practice. And the practitioner, the American practitioner in the upper hamlet, she responded back like this. According to the teaching and the practice in Plumblesh, I have my mother alive in every cell of my body. I have my father alive in every cell of my body. So please tell her that her mother is not really dead. Her mother is still alive in her, in every cell of her body. So she should go on and write that letter to her mother. And then his wife told his mother about that. And her mother sat down and wrote that letter to her her own mother. And that is the practice of watering the good seeds. And learning from this school of uh, manifestation only, consciousness only, we can apply many things into our daily life and change our life and change the life of the people we love. That day was uh, a Vesak day in Plum Village. There was a couple who came from New York, uh, from uh, Bordeaux. And while I was giving a Dharma talk on selective watering, I saw a lady crying all the time, during the whole time of listening to the Dharma talk. After the Dharma talk, I went to him, her husband, and said that your flower needs some watering. So after the silent lunch, they drove home and during the time, he, he drove home which lasted 1 hour and 15 minutes. He practiced watering his flower. And when they got home, the children were very surprised because her mother is, was blooming like a flower, very joyful. In fact, the gentleman knew how to, to water the flower. But he needs someone to remind him, to do so. To water a flower is not difficult at all. You know the talents, the virtues, the goodness of the other person. You need to recognize these virtues, these positive things, and express your gratitude for these uh, positive uh, virtues in him or in her. And then you can transform her after half an hour or one hour. So this uh, practice of selective watering is a very effective. It can change very quickly yourself. It can change uh, very quickly the other person. We live in a family. Maybe we have a hectic life, we don't have time for each other. We have to get the time to look at each other, to tell each other the things that can water the seeds of joy, happiness, hope in the other person. Mother, I'm so happy that you are still alive with me. My daughter, I know that you are there still there with me and I enjoy every minute uh, uh, your presence there are very simple things to say and they, and they express the truth that we are mindful of the conditions of happiness we still have we cherish, we treasure the conditions of happiness that are still available someone said that happiness is something that you don't don't recognize when it is there but when you lose it and then you know that you just lost it so go home to the present moment and recognize the many conditions of happiness you you have and suddenly you are happy right away these conditions of happiness are more than enough us to be happy in the here and the now and the practice of mindfulness is very crucial perhaps you have heard of the practice of the five mantras the first mantra is darling I know you are there alive and I am so happy the son should be able to tell his father or his mother such a thing. A lover should be able to tell the other person such a thing. In fact, we are grateful that the other person is there. Imagine she is not there, he is not there we will suffer. So mindfulness make it possible that we recognize the presence of the other, and cherish that presence. So go to the other person, look into her eyes and say, Darling, I know you are there. I am so happy. This is the first mantra. And you don't have to practice it in Sanskrit. <laughs> Tibetan, you can practice in your own language. And you see that a transformation transformation will take place right away, and that is the practice of mindfulness. I know a young man who suffered because his father is not available to him. His father was very rich, but uh, he, he did not have time for his family. So that day, the father told the son, Darling, tomorrow, maybe tomorrow is your birthday. What do you want? I will buy it for you. The young man did not know what to say. His father is very rich and he could up, afford to buy anything but he did not need anything. He needed one thing, only one thing, which was, that was difficult, that is the presence of a father. His father was so busy that he had the, the feeling that he did not have a father at all. His father was completely absorbed in his business. He did not have the time for his wife and children. But after some while, the young man said, "Daddy, what I want is you, and not something you buy." And if that father knows the teaching and the practice of mindfulness, he will practice mindful breathing, mindful making a few mindful steps, and then he got go, goes close to the the young man, looked into his eyes and pronounce the second mantra. Darling, I am really here for you. I am here for you. And that should be the truth. Because your mind, your body should be truly present in the here and the now in order for you to become a gift for your beloved one. To love is to be there for your beloved one. If you are not there, how can you love? That is why to to love means to be, to be there. And the most precious gift you can make to your beloved one is your presence. Right? The most precious gift you can make to your beloved is your presence, your true presence. And that true presence is easy to make. Take a deep breath. Go home to yourself. Take a few steps. Go home to yourself and be present one percent in the here and the now. And suddenly you have something to offer to your beloved one. Darling, I'm really here for you one hundred percent. That is the greatest gift. If you are a lover, remember that. And this also a mantra. And that in order to pronounce that mantra you should have mindfulness and concentration. Otherwise it's not a mantra. A mantra it has a power to to transform. A mantra is a formula pronounced with a lot of mindfulness, concentration and insight otherwise it's not, it's not a mantra and every one of us can practice these mantras every day several times. Darling, I'm here for you. Even when you use your cellular laugh, cellular, uh portable uh, phone, you can practice the mantra. Even when with a computer you can practice the mantra. Darling, I'm always there for you. Darling, I know you are there. I'm very happy. You embrace your your beloved one with the energy of mindfulness. To love means to be recognized as existing. Suppose you drive your car and you think of many things and she is sitting just close to you but she is not in your attention your attention is focused on many, many things except, except her she is not happy because she is not in the realm of your attention she will wither as, like a flower without water So, to love someone is to recognize him or her as existing, and that mantra is just for that. Darling, I know you are there, and I am very happy. It means, using the energy of mindfulness, you embrace your beloved one. Darling, I know you are there, and I am very happy. The third mantra is when your beloved one suffers because you are mindful, that is why you know, you are aware, that you, something does not go well with your beloved one. And that is the moment when you have to recite the third mantra, Darling, I know you suffer. That is why I am here for you. When you suffer, and your beloved one ignores that you, you suffer, you suffer more. But if your beloved one is aware of your suffering, and then you suffer less. And that is why the third mantra is to bring relief right away to him or to her. Darling, I know you suffer. That is why I am here for you. Before you can do anything, to help, you can already bring a lot of relief by practicing the third mantra. And this is the practice of Buddhism. Very simple and very effective. And right away, you don't need eight years or ten years in order to get the result. Darling, I know you suffer. That is why I'm here. the fourth mantra which is a little bit more difficult to practice. But you need the fourth mantra. One day, that is when you suffer and you believe that the person who makes you suffer is him, is her, the person you love the most in the world. You feel despair, If someone else has said that to you, uh, done that to you, you would have suffered less. But in this case, the person who has said such a thing, the person who has done such a thing, is the person you love the most in the world, so you suffer so much, you are deeply hurt, you are in despair. And that is when you have to use the fourth mantra. You have to go to him or to her and say this, Darling, I suffer, please help. Usually, you don't want to do so, because you are so hurt, that you want to do the opposite. You want to show that without him or her, you can survive very well. (laughs) You prefer to go into your room, lock your room and cry alone. And if that person comes to you trying to comfort you you to try to avoid him or her, leave me alone. (laughs) Darling, do you suffer? Me suffer? Why do I have to suffer? (laughs) Because you are hurt. And your intention is to punish him, to punish her for having made you suffer. And in true love, such a kind of... of, uh, I'm more proper. Pride. That, that, that kind of pride should not be there. In the beginning, you have vowed to each other that you will help each other and share with each other happiness and suffering. So, that pride is not, should not be there. It is a, a factor of separation so you should overcome that obstacle and go to him and go to her and practice the fourth mantra darling i suffer please help it means i don't understand why you have such you have said such a thing to me i don't know why you have done such a thing to me i suffer please explain In Plum Village, we have uh, a formula, a practice that we use uh, when, when we get angry. Every time you get angry, you practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, recognizing your anger and get a relief. And then you look deeply into the nature of your anger. And you might discover that you are, because you are so sensitive, the other person did not want to make you unhappy, but because the seed of anger in you is too important. That is why uh, you might have been (coughs) victim of a wrong perception. So you practice looking deeply in order to to liberate yourself from anger but uh, if uh, after 24 hours of practice you don't succeed in transforming your anger and then you have to practice the fourth (coughs) mantra. You have to go to him or to her to tell him Or her that you are angry, (coughs) that you suffer, and that you need his help or her help. And if uh, you are not calm enough to do so, you might like to use a sheet of paper and you write it down. There are four sentences. The first sentence is, Darling, I suffer. And I want you to know it. You have to tell the truth. You have to be direct. Darling, I suffer. And I want you to know it. The first sentence. And if you can bring yourself to write down that sentence, you begin to suffer less right away. Please try and see. It means that I don't know, I don't understand why you have done such a thing to me. I don't understand why you have said such a thing to me. Explain. The first sentence Darling, I suffer, and I want you to know it. The second sentence I am practicing. Because I am a practitioner, I have received instructions from my teacher that when I get angry, I should not say anything or do anything. I should go back to my breathing, my walking, in order to recognize my anger, embrace it tenderly, and look deeply into it. So, I am practicing. So the second sentence can inspire respect on the part of your partner. I am practicing. I am not reacting like a non-practitioner. I am taking good care of myself. I am practicing. And that is an indirect invitation for the other person to practice answer. And he or she will ask the question, What have I said? What have I done to make him or her unhappy like that? So this is uh, also an invitation for the practice the second sentence I am practicing I am doing my best I am practicing or I am doing my best I think there's only three sentences and the last sentence is please help me please help me I need your help there's no pride I need your help please explain to me why you have done such a thing to me please explain to me why you have said such a thing to me please help I'm sure that after having written down these three sentences, you feel better. And you should deliver that uh, piece, that message to him or to her before the deadline of 24 hours. That is the practice of plumberage. You should not keep it for you alone more than 24 hours. You have to email him, email her, or send him or her a fax with these three sentences. And while waiting, you continue to, to practice. And if you find out that is that your anger has been born from your own wrong perception, you have to communicate with the other person right away and apologize. Darling, it's okay now. I have found out that uh, uh, it's my wrong perception. So don't worry. Or if you are the other person, and then you should practice, you know that the other person, your partner, is suffering, and you have to ask the question as what you have done, what you have said to make him or her suffer in that way. And if uh, you find out that you have been unskillful, and then you have to send him, send her a message right away, expressing your regret as soon as possible. Make the other person feel better right right away. So you may like to write down these three sentences in a piece of paper the size of a credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Darling, I suffer. I know I want you to know it. I am doing my best practicing. Please help. And you put it in your wallet. And every time you suffer, you are angry at him or her. Breathe in. Breathe out. Take your wallet and take this message out. And you know what to do and what not to do. This is the Buddha in your wallet. (laughs) The story of uh, Mr. Truong Many of you already know. This is a tragedy taking place in Vietnam many centuries ago. He went to the war. And uh, during that time, uh, his uh, wife uh, gave birth to a little boy. And uh, after the war, he was, still, uh, he, he was released from the army. And he went home, Mr. Truong. And she was so happy to learn about that, she went with the little boy to meet him at the gate of the village. And they cried happily in the arms of each other. And according to the Vietnamese tradition, you have to announce the return, the good news to the ancestors. In Vietnam, every house has an ancestral altar. And the practice is uh, every every day to light a stick of incense and to offer to the ancestors to remove the dust on the altar, or to change the water in a flower uh, pot. And the few minutes you do that is the few minutes you connect with your ancestors. It's a very important practice to get connected to your ancestors. And uh, you have to announce to your ancestors the most important events that take place in your family. If you, are, you give birth to a baby and then you have to offer an offering, you make an offering on the altar and announce your altar to your ancestors that uh, a baby has been born to the family. Your ancestors have the right to know, to be informed. And if you marry your daughter to the young man uh, in the other village, you also have to inform your ancestors, they have the right to know. So you keep in touch with your ancestors, and this is, I think, is very good practice. You don't get alienated from your ancestors. You always feel rooted in your ancestors. I think you, you stay uh, healthy because you are deeply rooted in your tradition, in your ancestors. And I hope that uh, this tradition uh, will be alive for a long time. An uh, ancestral altar in the fam- in the house, and you practice connecting with your ancestors every day. So, according to the tradition, the young mother had to go to the market uh, to uh, do some shopping and to prepare a offering to be placed on the altar of the ancestors and left alone with uh, the little boy uh, the young father tried to persuade him to call him daddy but the young uh, the, the little boy refused to do that no mister, you are not my daddy, my daddy used to come every night and my mother talked to, to him every night and when every time my mother sits down, he sits down. When my mother lies down, he also lie down. <laughs> so when the young father heard about that, all his happiness was evaporated and became a block of ice. He did not smile anymore. He suffered so much. When the young mother came home from the marketplace, He did not look at her anymore. He did not answer her question anymore. And the lady, the young mother, began to suffer also. And she did not understand why. In fact, there is no one uh, intruding into the family. During his absence, one day, the little boy came home very dirty. And he said, Mommy, everyone in the hamlet has a father. Where is my father? So it's difficult for the lady to, uh, to explain about the war, uh, military service, and so on. So she pointed to her own shadow projected by the kerosene lamp on the wall. And said, this is your father. Greet your father. Hello, father. Good evening, daddy. So the little boy believed that the shadow of his mother, is his father. And in fact, she talked to her own shadow every night. My, my good husband, my dear husband, you have been away for a long time. How could I... Alone, raise our child, and she cry. And of course, when she sit down, the shadow will sit down. And when she lie down, the shadow will lie down. That is uh, baby talk. That is the talk of a child. But he believed that to be the truth, and he was uh, caught by a wrong perception that make him despair. After the offering has been placed on the altar, he lighted the three sticks of incense and offering his prayers, announced his return and Then, because he believed that her his wife has committed adultery or something like that, he rolled up the mat and did not allow her to touch the earth before the ancestors she was not she is not um, qualified to present herself in front of the ancestors. And instead of sharing a meal of uh, reunion, he left the house and went to the village and spent all the day in a liquor uh, shop, in a liquor place, vivette, in a bar, and did not come home until two in the morning. And he continued like that for several days. And the young mother could not bear it anymore. She did not understand why that kind of behavior. He did not look at her, he did not answer her questions. And finally she was despair and she jumped into the river and she was drowned. And when the young father learned about the tragedy, he tried to go home and take care of uh, the little boy. And uh, that night when he lighted the kerosene lamp, suddenly the little boy said, Mr, he is my daddy. He used to come every night like that, and my mother used to talk to him uh, and cry a lot with him. And now the young father begins to understand. That is only a wrong perception. But it's too late. His wife is only dead. A tragedy took place just because of misunderstanding, wrong perception. If the couple knew the fourth mantra, they would have saved their happiness. The young father could have gone to his wife and said, Darling, I suffer. Darling, I suffer. The little boy said that during my absence, someone used to come every night. And you cry, and you talk to him, and every time you sit down, he sit down. Who is that? Why have you done such a thing to me? Please explain. And then, of course, the young lady would have had a chance to explain, to help him correct his perception. But he did not practice the fourth mantra. And the lady committed the same kind of uh, unskillfulness. If she she had gone to him and said, my dear husband, I suffer. I don't understand why from the time I got back from the market, you did not look at me and you did not answer my question. You did not allow me to touch the earth before ancestors Have I done something horrible to be treated like that? And then if she had done so the young husband would have uh, had a chance to explain The little boy has, has said so Who is that person who used to, to come every night? They would have uh, helped each other correct wrong perceptions and rediscover happiness and love, and this is a true story. The villagers uh, learn of the tragedy, and they come together and build a shrine for the young, uh, for the young mother, whose name is Thiếu Phu Nam Sương. His name is Jiang Trương. Her name is Thiếu Phu Nam Sương. And it was during the dynasty, the Lei dynasty. And the emperor, one day, went by that place and asked about the origin of of the tribe And people in the village told him the tragedy. He was so moved that he wrote a poem about that. Nghi ngúc đầu gần tòa khói hương, miếu ai như miếu vợ chàng trương. A very lovely poem. And everyone in Vietnam knows about this story. A true story. I really don't want my friends to step into the footprints of this couple. Next time, when we suffer, and if we believe that the person who makes us suffer is that person, the person we love the most in the world, don't behave. Let us not behave like this couple. We should practice the fourth mantra. We have to go to him or to her and say, Darling, I suffer. Please help. Please explain. Why? September 11, I tried to persuade the American leaders to practice the fourth mantra. I said uh, Americans should uh, look into the direction of the terrorists and with uh, a calm voice ask the terrorists why they have done such a thing to America. Dear friends over there, we suffer very much. We don't understand why you have done such a thing to us. Have we done something horrible to you? That you wanted to punish us like that? Have we tried to destroy you as a religion? As... a way of life, as a nation, as a race. We do not have the intention to destroy you as a religion or as a civilization. Please explain to us why you have done such a thing to us. Maybe we have done something or said something that gave you the impression that we want to destroy you. But we don't have that intention. Please tell us." And that is a form of practice, this in the line of the fourth mantra. I was in America during that time, September 11th. I was in the state of uh, California. I was scheduled to give a talk in Berkeley for 4,000 people on the theme of birth and death. But when I hear that, I changed my, the subject of my talk, holding our anger. The practice of holding our anger, embracing our anger. That's only a few days after September 11th. In the That day, I remember I was with many monks and nuns, and we wear the Sangati robe and we pray for the dead people in New York. After that, I gave uh, the talk. I said that uh, we should practice breathing and walking to get calm. Because if we are not calm, we will do things that will create a lot of damage. And uh, without the calm, we should not do anything. So our practice is to calm down our emotion. Because I noticed that there was a lot of anger, a lot of fear in America. Collective anger, collective fear, very dangerous. When I boarded an airplane, I saw the fear in the face of every passenger. And the pilot tried to say something to make them less afraid, but it did not work at all. I was in a plane and I looked at everyone. I saw the fear and the anger. And that is a national fear, national anger and confusion. And I knew very well that acting on the basis of fear and anger and confusion will, make, uh, will cause a lot of suffering. So it is my, it was my proposal that America should practice it, should practice coming down, and then after that, practice the fourth mantra, listening deeply to understand why they have done such a thing. And if we listen well, we will know what kind of perceptions are behind all that kind of uh, action. I try my best to help America that day. After that I gave a talk another talk in New York City at the Riverside Drive Church. And we practiced the same. The first part of the talk is meditation of coming down. Andrew Young came with me, we visited Ground Zero, and we pray for the people who died during the attack. This practice of loving speech and deep listening, this practice of uh, the fourth mantra, is effective with couples between partners and partners, between father and son, mother and daughter, between groups uh, and nations. In fact, uh, Plum Village has spons- had sponsored uh, many groups of Palestinians and Israelis to come to Plum Village in practice. In the beginning, it's very hard for the two groups to look at each other and to accept each other, because each group has each group has, has has a lot of fear, suspicion, anger, blame. So the sangha, the international sangha in Plum Village, help them to calm down, to recognize their emotion, their fear, their hate, their suspicion. And that is the the practice during the first week. And after that, we initiated the practice of uh, deep listening and uh, looking deeply. And we sit there with them and uh, brought our support to their practice. You are supposed to listen only and not to not to stop the other the other party. Allow the machines to empty their heart to get a relief. Even if they have wrong perception, if their speech is still uh, filled with uh, anger and fear and uh, uh, bitterness. You have to listen with compassion to allow the machines to suffer less by speaking out. And they support the listeners. They say that If you notice that there are wrong perceptions in their speech, you note. And then one week after, we may furnish information to help them to correct their perception. But we don't interrupt them now. That is not the practice. So many of us sit and support this side to listen deeply. And uh, many of us will sit with the other side in order to help them to express themselves and try to tell everything in their heart but try to use the language that can be that can convey and try not to blame not to condemn not to uh, accuse love and speech and the practice although a little bit difficult but was very very effective And this side recognized, after a few sessions, that on the other side, they have suffered exactly like we have suffered on this side. Children, adults, have suffered exactly like on our side. And when they see that, they begin to look at the other side as human beings also. And their way of looking changed. They feel better, and the other people change also with the new way of looking. And we listen to each other in several sessions like that. And we understand the feeling of the other person, the other group, the other, uh, the, uh, the fear, the anger, the frustration of the other group. We discover them as human beings with a lot of suffering. Usually we think that it is only outside that suffer. They don't suffer. They just make us suffer. But now the truth is revealed. The other side, they have suffered exactly like outside, even more. So when you understand like that, suddenly your hate, your anger, dying down. And you are able to look with compassion. This is a big transformation. And then it is your turn to empty your heart, and the other side will listen. The practice of listening, the practice of listening with compassion, the practice of uh, expressing with the language of loving kindness, is very important to help remove wrong perceptions, bring about mutual understanding and peace. And finally, it was possible for both groups to share a meal together, to hold hand and practice walking meditation together, peace become a reality between the two groups. And finally, the sangha, the both group came to report to the sangha about the achievement, and they have found peace, brotherhood. Which you understand it. And before they go back to the Middle East, their own ways promise to set up a Sangha in order for other people to come and practice and suffer less. We have Sanghas in the Middle East now. It's more difficult for the Palestinians to come to France because many have to go another way to France. And also, Plum Village has to work hard with the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs in order to grant them visas. But uh, that kind of practice shows that the fourth mantra, the practice of deep listening and loving speech, always work as far as couples and groups of people are concerned. And we believe, we have the conviction that if our political leaders Possess that uh, skill of uh, deep listening, loving speech, and the fourth mantra, and then they can make peace with uh, the so called enemy. And uh, when we speak of engaged Buddhism in the 21st century, we cannot avoid speaking about this practice. And uh, our political leaders have not been trained in this uh, discipline. And uh, a spiritual dimension should be adopted so that uh, people will not be tempted to use military uh, power right away uh, in order to solve problems. A spiritual dimension to politics is very essential. We continue tomorrow.